This is Dave Berlin, founder of Y Networking. And if you want to learn how to level up and be successful through masterminds, then you should listen to my good friend, Brandon Straza with the Mastermind Effect. You love to learn, grow, and improve yourself, but you're still not where you want to be? The right mastermind can be the ultimate secret weapon when it comes to personal development, but trying to find the one that's built for you isn't always easy. Welcome to the Mastermind Effect, the one and only show that focuses on helping you cut through the noise, invest in yourself, and move past your natural limits. This is everything you need to know about masterminds, brought to you by your host, Brandon Straza. Hey everyone, today we've got the founder of Y Networking, Dave Berlin. He talks how standardized education, though important, won't be as valuable as the people that can get things done through self-education. Dave talks about the two differences between networking and prospecting. And Dave explains why you should start leaving yourself clues when it comes to connecting with people. Check it out. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the show where you know I believe the only way to unlock your potential is to tap into the experience of others. And today, to help us do this, we've got my good friend, the founder of Why Networking, Dave Berlin. Dave, welcome to the show, man. What's up, buddy? Good to see you, man. Absolutely. We, we uh, keep running into each other on this uh, thing called Zoom and, uh, you know, trading podcasts, trading places, and uh, we've gotten to know a lot from each other. And I have to say, I've learned so much from you already, and I appreciate and just looking forward to seeing where we're going to go with this today. Yeah, man. Very excited to be here. Thanks so much for having me on the show. Absolutely. So when the listeners realize the value that you're bringing today and they're like, you know, I really jam with Dave, what is the best place or where is the best place for them to reach out to you personally or through social so they can connect with you? Yeah, I got really lucky. There's not very many Dave Berlins out there. So I got the little at Dave Berlin just about everywhere. I don't do Twitter so much. Instagram's good to go. You can find me, Dave Berlin, Facebook, all the places, LinkedIn. And the website is davemeansbusiness.com. So I tried to catch that while I had it. And uh, you can also email them. And all of this will be in the show notes at dave at davemeansbusiness.com. There it is. And you got the podcast. Tell me the name of the podcast. I know what it is, but I want you to say it real quick. The Dave Means Business Podcast. True to brand. There you go. All right, let's dive into it. You know, the ability to learn and access different people, and it's changed over the last five, 10 years, really. When you and I were younger, textbooks, teachers, then family, friends, coworkers, but that's a sliver of what's possible. How has your learning changed from your early years versus today? I think I learned trial by fire whenever I was younger. And I can tell you how much it's evolved since then. And really, I have no problem telling people this. I think the first time I actually read a full book, I was like 30 years old. That was the first time I really consumed something and said, wow, this this actually grabbed me. Now I want to learn. I think I've always been a learner and I've always put myself in situations to learn from, grow from, but that was where it got really intentional. So books, audiobooks, podcasts, all those things. And then now with the way things have changed in the last year, it's really an opportunity to connect with people on, on such a hyper level and learn more, grow more, you know, more interviews, showing up in more rooms, just being present. Yeah, absolutely. Let me ask you a question, you know, in accordance with what you just came back with. So do you ever look back? Because uh, I think this is human nature and say, man, I started at 
30, 31 reading books. Like, why didn't I start this 10 years, 15 years ago? Where would I be today? Do you ever go through that? And either way, how do you combat that when you're just sitting there saying, well, why didn't I do this earlier? Yeah, I did. And there has been an interesting thing. And I don't know if it's like this for most people. I did start journaling at a fairly early age. So while I wasn't really locked into books and things of that nature, I think I was always taking notes, right? I was always observing, always paying attention to what's going on. I was seeing where I fit into the world. I didn't make all the best decisions all the time, but I I do have that sort of as a record. So when I do, there was a period of time where I thought, man, if, you know, if I was driving around doing the dumb stuff that I did at 16, 17, 18 years old, before I went to the military, what if I was driving around listening to books? What if I was driving around, you know, consuming some of that stuff? And I think you, you're ready when you're ready. And whenever I did find the first couple of books that really grabbed me, man, I, I just, I couldn't stop. I just, it was very addictive. Yeah. Take off. Look at what your road ahead is and how you want to change your present and your future and reframe your past so you don't dwell on it. And then from there, guess what? If you had been reading books 10 years prior to this, we're probably not having this interview because you're on a different trajectory. So I always sit there and say, get that stinking thinking out of your head and say, hey, at least I started it today. Yeah. It's like, when do you, when, when's the best time to plant a tree? Like 20 years ago, 20 years from now or today? Exactly. Exactly. All right. A lot of people, they get stuck and they don't know how to execute what's in their head. Um, we're still going through a pandemic. And to me, I think it's it's causing a, a reset in how we're able to accomplish things. How have masterminds and coaching helped you reset when you're stuck and you're looking to accomplish something new? Yeah, great, great question. And when it comes to masterminds or collaborations or synergy with other people, it really comes down to just putting myself out there. I think everybody had all of the excuses to isolate and and not be involved in things like that. For me, I immediately started connecting with people. And like a lot of people, it's like, okay, this is going to blow over. And then it didn't. And then it kept going. And then as we got closer to the turn of the year, I felt like everybody was ready for the the ball to drop and things to change. and, And they didn't. So for me, I've been very intentional. Something I started to wake up with this year is, what if there are no live events? What if that's just not going to be an option this year and I'm prepared for it and I force myself to be more intentional about, you know, finding new circles, you know, putting myself in the room with different people, you know, putting myself in the room where I'm definitely like the dumbest guy in the room and then putting myself in the room where I'm somewhere in the middle, you know, and and even putting myself in the room where I do help facilitate things and help people, you know, reach up and, and ask for, for more advice and, and try to grow. So I try to put myself in all those different situations, but it's, it's a hundred percent instrumental to my growth, but also it's very therapeutic for things that I'm going through. I always have the right circles where I can grow and get past the challenges, or I have circles where I can honestly feel better about helping other people. Um, so it's critical to, to my success. Yeah. And it's from what you're saying, I mean, it fills multiple buckets because you're able to shift some energy that in an area where you're able to be help, you know, helpful. And you, you've been able to get that from the rooms that you're just like, I don't know what the heck to do. And you can transfer that knowledge. You can transfer, you know, just that energy in order to be able to help those other rooms. So 
you know, you want to, you don't always want to be the smartest person in the room, but then there are rooms that you want to be in because you can collaborate more when you are that in, in that middle area. Yeah. Somebody, somebody described it as it's like a golf four man scramble, right? There's normally one dude that carries the team. And then there's two guys that are pretty close to each other and they're challenging each other enough that they're growing in their own little version of themselves. And then there's one guy who never plays golf, doesn't really know what's going on. And he's kind of counting on everybody else. He's just there for, for the fun part. Everybody's best friend. Exactly. I try to put myself in a few different circles where I'm those different roles. No, no, I, I, I dig that. I like that idea of having, you know, someone, someone that said, Hey, can I interview you about finding the right mastermind with what you're building? And, uh, you know, on the, I'm just like, yeah, sure. But I like that, that, that area of like, Hey, I don't want to, I always said, you don't want I don't want to be the smartest person in the room. I want to surround myself with smarter, faster people, but also then what you can get out of them, what you can give out of uh, as being in that middle area because of what you've built and what you've done. So I, I, I love that. I love that. All right. You know, we have more ways to take in information than ever before. I'll be honest. It's confusing. I got a platform. I've got a search engine. I've got everything. I've got the marketers. I got the gurus out there. You know, some people, they look for a mentor, an accountability buddy, a mastermind, a coach, online courses, lots of ways to learn. Who are you currently learning from? And more importantly, how did you actually connect with them? Yeah. So I'm, I'm always absorbing in a couple of different directions, but I'll, I'll think of one that, that really just came more recently and it was actually revisiting. So one of my favorite people on the planet, one of the people that inspired me more than anybody else was a guy named John Acuff. And John Acuff is a phenomenal author. He's written books that have absolutely changed my life more than any other influencer, more than any other author. And he has started a podcast, a new podcast about setting goals. And I re-listened to one of his episodes the other day. I haven't listened to his books and stuff in a, in a while. I'd sort of grown through a lot of those things. I recommend his books all the time, but his new book or his new podcast about goals, I just, I saw it, I followed it and it was so refreshing to have him riding shotgun on my way to work again. And just hearing him speak truth into my life once again. And it seems like always the most critical turning points of my life. There's always been John Acuff book that made sense. And, and to answer the first part of that question, how do we get introduced? I actually saw him, uh, I went to a Dave Ramsey one day event way back in 2013. And it was whenever he first started the Entree Leadership Program. It was like, there were just a couple of podcast episodes in and it was an Entree Leadership one day. And that's the first time I saw John speak. And I was like, man, the dude's hilarious. He spoke into my soul. And I was like, I just want to be friends with that guy and been following him ever since. Now, have you personally connected with him and sent him a message saying, hey, John, this is what you meant to me. You know, this is what I've learned. Have you, have you reached out to him? And, and in turn, because I feel people are more accessible than they've ever been, has he reciprocated in some form or fashion? Oh, yeah, a million ways. And that we could talk for hours about that. Somewhere around here, the first book that I read of his inspired me to want to do something big and, and do a TED Talk. And I set the big, crazy, audacious goal in 2013. Like in 10 years, I'm going to do a TED Talk. And just through the power of my network, his network, you know, he had an online group at the time. I'd collaborated with some people. There were some people that brought that to reality. And 14 months later, my first public talk was a TEDx talk. And randomly, he was speaking at a coffee shop a couple weeks later. 
just probably an hour and a half, two hours from my place. And I, I went and became friends with him and told him how much it meant. He autographed it. Since that time, I've helped him promote books. He let me he let me do a blog on his podcast whenever his next book came out because I felt that book called Do Over, I felt it was going to be really instrumental for something I was passionate about, veteran transition. That book was all about career transition. I felt like it was the same thing. And yeah, he let me write a blog on his book. I helped him promote the book, all kinds of stuff. So he, people, I believe, are a lot more accessible than than it like celebrities might be, if that makes sense. Yeah. And, and I want people to really hear what Dave just said and what we're talking about is how accessible people really are. Pandemic or no pandemic. If you start following, start listening, commenting, valuable comments, not just random, like, Hey, great post, you know, some valuable stuff, and then find a way to build that trust and value you're going to find out how quickly people will not only, obviously they've already resonated with you, but how, how they will reciprocate and you'll, you'll be able to build that relationship. It's, it's not as difficult, but you have to put in the time. Oh yeah. Well, here's what I think what I remember the day that I realized how accessible people were, right? I remember when I saw him speak and I was like, man, it'd be cool if I was that guy's friend someday. And then he had this thing online and it was something about fears and his whole idea was behind fear hates community, right? So you could post anonymously what your fear was on this online board and people could click on it and say, me too. Now this is before the whole me too movement, but they could say me too. And what that meant was you're not alone. Somebody else has that fear and fear hates community. So it was just smashing fear. Well, it wasn't even me that commented something it was a friend of mine and he responded to that friend like online. And I was like, what? Like maybe this guy is accessible. And I just, you know, different ways to make videos or ways to collaborate and stuff like that. Like I've always been a huge fan of, uh, you know, it's one of the ideas behind the whole why networking thing of uh, why networking side of things. I call it pitch the universe. You know, some people call it law of attraction, things like that. I'm like, if you really believe that you can connect with somebody and if what they said or what they practice is something that you really align with, they need your help, right? It's never as easy as they make it look. Remember, they're not rock stars. They do this because they want people to say, I need your help or this really changed my life. And that stuff really does go a long way. And a lot of times uh, they are more accessible. They need your help and you can help get that message out to more people. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the road to success was built in skeletons. You don't see all the hard work that's put in. You just get to see that finished product. And by commenting, reaching out, and uh, you know, even being able to collaborate, you're helping that individual and they're helping you. So I just really want to, I want to drive that message home this evening. So, all right, masterminds been around for, for a while. Probably the apostles might've been the first one. And then uh, Benjamin Franklin, the Junto Club, also known as the Leather Apron Club. And then this guy by the name of Napoleon Hill, he inks a book. He really solidifies the word of mastermind. As there is this huge boom in self-education over the last, you know, 5, 10, 15 years, where do you see the parallels going between self-education versus standardized education going forward? Well, I think we've really seen an interesting shift in standardized education with everything that's happened with the pandemic. Maybe I'm skipping forward a little bit, but I will back up. You know, my son is 16 years old. And when this all happened, my first thing was, man, I couldn't imagine 
growing up in a world that was going to go one direction and now it's completely changed. I don't think that the organized, standardized education is going to be as valuable as the people that can actually get things done because how many people got laid off when everything went dark, right? That had degrees and, you know, multiple degrees and things like that. And everything just shifts. And then it's, it's left to the people that it's, it's going to be the self-education that got you where you are, that, you know, the street smarts, if you will, the emotional intelligence to push through and be able to adapt and to learn anything. I mean, granted, the shift in our culture and the pandemic and all that stuff isn't necessarily something that you can learn in college, uh, but it's something that I definitely learned in the in the military, you know, how to be adaptive and and how to overcome those different situations and then be flexible to uh, what resources we do have. The immediate thing is, you know, I think online education soared because people were bored trying to find, you know, a different way. They were trying to figure out how to make extra money and all that stuff. I think it's going to be the biggest shift in what we see in the future. And it's going to be uh, the people that are out there being authentic, getting it done, sharing the right message. Um, It's always going to be good versus evil, but I think, you know, good always prevails because there's always going to be, you know, snake oil salesmen and snakes in the grass and things like that. Yeah. And I mean, do you want to be the engineer that can explain why the bicycle goes forward or do you want to be the person that just gets on the bike and rides the bike? Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. I want to be the guy that gets on the bike. Yeah. No, that's a, that's a great analogy. I I don't need to teach you why I'm just going to get on the bike and do it. Yeah. And I think so many people do get caught up in the process. Right. And, and that's okay. You know, I don't want my kid going to school with theirs or anything. I'm just kidding. But no, I think, I think some people do get caught up in the process where it's just, just go, you know, Uh, somebody told me this just today on a phone call. They said, if there's anybody that's habitually doing things halfway, whether they're ready or not, it's me. And at first I was like, is that an insult? And then he, he literally listed in a list of accolades of things that I had done that nobody else could even compare to. And it's not like I changed the world or anything. It's just, I hosted some different events. I tried things and I I was willing to go scrape my knee. You know, I did some like fundraising events for veterans. I just did all these different things And when you look back on it, it seemed like I was kind of all over the place, but I just kept trying something, seeing what worked. And for that, I get to, you know, take a few steps closer to what I believe success to be. Yeah, I love that. And we'll get into a little bit of that uh, success talk here shortly. Typically, when someone invests in their future, they have a better than vague idea of what the outcome, you know, what they're going to get out of it. Uh, They have an expectation. What should someone expect when they enter Dave's reality and work with you? Yeah. Well, my, my favorite thing is to get people to think and, and to grow and, and take action. So it's not one of those things where you can just, you know, get all the slides and and you have all the answers. It's really the willingness to go out and put the work in, you know, one of the biggest things that I've been working on for a couple of years now is very challenging to the normal behaviors of what people believe networking to be. To me, networking is not about the sales cycle. It's not. You know, prospecting and networking are two totally different definitions. And because I'm pulling people out of that and I'm I'm challenging them to do something that they're not comfortable with, 
a lot of times I have to make them first think past that, understand why they're doing it and take action. So it's definitely not one of those things where it's just like, hmm, I got it. And they don't have to apply anything. It is going to be work. And I will push people outside of their comfort zone. Wow. Can you go a little bit deeper? And I mean, I, I, I get what you're saying, but when you say prospecting and networking are two different processes, can you dive a little bit deeper in that? Yeah, absolutely. And most people go to networking events because it's something to do with furthering their business. Something else that's very synonymous is prospecting. And I, I've been doing this talk around why networking for three years. And I'll be honest with you, it's been in the last three months that I actually said, wait a minute, that's the problem. We have a different frame of reference. And I looked up the definitions and I kid you not, the word prospecting is to introduce your product or service into an organization or to an individual with the main goal to move them through the sales process and get them to purchase your product or service and become a client or customer. That's the definition of prospecting. It is part of the sales cycle. The definition of networking is to build positive relationships with a network, a group, or an institution specifically to gain positive results towards your business or employment. It doesn't have to do with the sales cycle. Do you see the difference? Literally. Oh, yeah. The difference is that one thing. And that's where I think so many people get it twisted because what do they do? They show up. And as soon as somebody says, tell me what you do, it's heard as, please sell me on what you do. We go into pitch mode. When you're in pitch mode, you're in offensive mode. When you're in offensive mode, they're in defensive mode. And here's the thing. I've done this at almost every event that I've spoke at. I've hosted my own events around this idea. By show of hands, how many people came to build positive relationships? And every hand goes up. That's what networking is for. It's a networking event. Keep them up if you came here to introduce your product or service to more people. And the hands stay up, as they should. How many people came here to be sold by somebody else? All the hands go down. And that's, that's the biggest difference that I think most people... I don't want to say they get it wrong. It's that's where the difference lies. And because they're used to going into, you know, we have a plan for prospecting, right? If somebody says this, we go into this mode, like we have a move for that. All I'm trying to do is how do you teach people positive principles that give them a different frame of how to operate? When somebody says, what do you do? You don't go into pitch mode. You go into question mode or you learn more and you generally try to help them connect to more clients. Here's the thing, and I get really passionate about this if you can't tell. When I sit down in front of somebody, I say, I cannot sell this person under no means, under no circumstances. If I'm at a networking event, I cannot sell this person. Put me in a, in a trade show booth, different story. We're there to sell. But if I'm trying to build a relationship, I cannot sell the person in front of me. I can set up all of my stuff to where if they go back and find me after the conversation, I can create a clear path for them to buy. But if all I do is provide value to them, I am unlocking their whole network. And that's opportunity that I can go back to. And those are people that I'd be more than happy to, to work with. So to me, that's that's the difference. Yeah. And, and when you unlock their network, because you're there to network, they'll be like, hey, you know what? I was just talking to Sally or Bob the other day, and uh, I'd love to make the introduction. Yeah. And they'll say, gosh, that guy was so great. 
I, and he likes he likes music stuff. I've, I've got somebody, and it's like sometimes people connect me with the weirdest things, but they're just always trying to open more doors for me. Why? Because I didn't make them feel like everybody else. Yeah. I didn't put a pistol in their face, metaphorical pistol, and try and get them to buy something, right? And put them into that defensive mode. And a lot of times they're more than willing to, to open up more opportunities because again, you know, networking isn't about closing a deal. It's not about getting more prospects. It's about unlocking more opportunities. Would you mind if I give an actual example of this? Please. Real quick. Okay. I didn't ask, at least I don't believe I did. I didn't ask Dave after he interviewed me on his podcast for say, hey, can you send me a, a, this amazing person, that amazing person? I, I don't believe I, I asked for anything. Not at all. Within 24 hours, he had connected me with uh, one of the previous executives of, of Disney and then another, another amazing individual and uh, two more today. And it was because you and I built a rapport We ran in similar circles and then we've started building that friendship and that no like and trust. But at no point have we sat there and like, Hey, can you, uh, can you hook me up with your network? Yeah. Yeah. And at no point did I, did you send me an invoice or did I send you an invoice on anything that you weren't expecting? Yeah. I think that's really the, the biggest difference. And I will continue to open up those doors. And that's the community that I try to create. You know, when you asked earlier, when somebody plugs in, like I try to set that as a standard. So many times I, I see all these different groups and things where people have too many rules. I only have one, right? And it's don't the people that you're talking to. Yeah. And just, if you just serve them, it's the same mentality that I wake up with saying there's no live events. If I say I cannot serve, I cannot sell this person. I can only serve them. I'll connect them to all the resources that they need. And here's the deal. Sometimes the role that we're in right now does not serve. We do not serve each other. But what I've been fascinated by is sometimes it's a year down the road, two years down the road, three years down the road. I don't want to say it comes back full circle, but it definitely comes back in a way that I didn't expect. Case in point, if I if we have the time. Yeah. So I, I hosted my first Y networking event in Las Vegas. I'd been here less than a year. I don't do like a big, you know, full day thing. I do more like a two hour kind of either a lunch and learn or an evening with cocktails and drinks. And I hosted it. It was my first time. I was here less than a year and I wanted to see where do I stand? Does my message hold true here? And I charged ticket price. People got food and drinks. And I had like 50 people show up. And in Las Vegas, I was pretty proud of that because it was a Thursday night. Thursday nights are popping for events. You know, I was really challenged to do it. And the normal cycle as I go through and invite everybody in my network, I invite random people that I met through a friend of a friend until somebody says, dude, stop inviting me. I'll, I'm very courteous. I don't like, you know, I'm not very aggressive. And there was a gal who I think I'd sent her two or three messages and she finally sent me a thing back. She said, Hey, appreciate the invite, but I met you one time at a thing. I don't need your effing networking. And I was like, cool, no problem. About a year and a month later, she pops up in my feed as uh, a, a life event happened. And guess what happened? She changed roles. I think at the time she was doing like lighting and design or something like that for, for stage hands and stuff. I can see you probably don't need like they, your company keeps you busy, right? There's events going on in Vegas all the time. You don't need to build relationships. This was a perfect example. Uh, she'd left and she'd went to become a realtor. Now I'm not saying that if she came to my event, she would have a totally different frame of reference or any of those things, 
But do you think networking is important in the role that she's in now? 100%. 100%. And it's never about networking being important in the sales cycle. It's about being important for, remember the, the definition for employment or your business. So at any time, the world can change. I think COVID showed us that, you know, there's, there's, you know, millions of people that aren't even passing out a business card at all anymore. And most of the time, people won't pass out the same card for more than two or three years. You know, the relationships that you build or break last forever. Yeah, absolutely. I, pr- I appreciate you going deeper. And then we went a little bit deeper. <laughs> it was needed. I, you know, people need to hear that. Yeah. Well, it was your, it was your episode about networking that really inspired me to connect with you. I don't remember who had chimed in or something. It was, you know, we run in similar circles and then I scrolled and that's where I saw networking. Hmm, I want to see what his opinion is on it. And it was, we're very like-minded on, on the way that we look at some of those things. I've spent a lot of time being through and creating principles and pillars and all those things on how to do it differently. But I think, I think we're cut from the same vein, right? The same things piss us off. The same things break our heart and the same, we're trying to solve the same problem. I I was trying to think, I probably talked about the GPF goal plan flow. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you go into something, creating a goal, having a plan and then going with the flow. Yeah. Because nothing ever goes to plan. Yeah. That's the other thing too. I mean, one of the, the practices that I, that I teach is when you host events, there's a totally different level when you host events, right? So to me, there's four places where you can build relationships. One, you can go to events. You can be a member of a group. You can go to a thing, live, in person, virtual, it doesn't matter, but you can be an attendee. Two, you can host events. And when you start hosting events, you start to connect people at a much different level. Three, you can go through a growth experience. This can be your challenge, a mastermind, a retreat, you know, somewhere that you go with the intent to grow through something, when the when you're next to people that are also in that growth mode, you can build pretty deep relationships. I went to the Marine Corps, not suggesting that everybody go to a Marine Corps, but shameless plug, go through a mastermind. If you think it's a year, if you think it's a six-month thing, there's definitely programs out there that are 30 days, 90 days, go through something. And then the final level is you can host those masterminds and create those experiences for people. And what I've learned in just on the the event level, when you start promoting those, it's not about posting and praying. A lot of times I'll go through my entire network, LinkedIn, Facebook, I'll write down 200 names of people that I need to contact anyways. And I'll just start calling and seeing how I can help, seeing what they're working on, seeing if there's anything that I can share. Most of the time they know that I've got something going on, and it, but it's not a, what's going on now, Dave? It's like, dude, what do you got? What's What's next? And it's like, oh, you know, hey, hosting an event with Lee Cockerell, the guy that used to run Disney, you know, whatever. It's like, it's always something that brings value. So that's the fun part. Do you mind if I throw out a LinkedIn uh, uh, tip for anyone out there since you decided to bring it up and you, you're going through your network? You mind if I throw that one in there? Yeah, go for it. Okay. On your birthday, you're going to have more people reach out to you on LinkedIn than Facebook. It's just the way of the world. And you're going to get sold a lot on LinkedIn, but on your birthday, they're going to. So have your pre-canned message of thanking them, you know, what you're doing that day. So you, you bring them into your world and then say, hey, real quick, since you did this, would you mind going and doing this? And, and this is when I was launching the podcast. You know, I'm like, hey, when the podcast launches, would you mind if I actually go and, and send you a link on this, what's your private email? 
So if they're going to come into your world, networking, yeah, have something ready for it because you're going to get you'll you'll get a minimum of 200 people saying happy birthday. Oh yeah, I'm stealing that man, and that's all I do is I try to create all these hacks that people can do that give you not really permission, but give you a bit of return, you know, because yeah, I, I think I did something similar to that. And I don't think I had an event going. It was this last September, my birthday, September 10th, shameless plug. But I think I was, I had a new podcast episode coming in and I was like, Hey, you know, a, a bottle of whiskey or bourbon would be great, but uh, here's something that doesn't cost you anything. Would you share the latest episode that I did in my podcast that meant a lot for me? And some people did some people don't. Uh, that's one thing I do want to get better at is birthdays. I think that's one of those things that's easier to preach than it is to really keep up with, but I think I might have to work on that one. There you go. All right. Things to work on afterwards. All right. Moving on. I feel that people have a way of surprising us, whether it's the grit, the grind, the willingness to learn. Has anyone been through your coaching and the outcome because of them working with you was just unbelievably successful? So in essence, give us that success story of someone working with Dave. It was a hybrid of a different coaching program that I was using, but the principles of relationships have been baked in through and through. Uh, I was working with a guy, uh, his name's Marty, and he works for, well, just he works for a big bank. It rhymes with Wells Fargo, but <laughs> he was a, a mortgage lender and you know he's up in New Jersey. And what was interesting was he had already done, this is back in 2017, 2018, I believe, uh, he'd done about $8 million in production, right? So big, huge home loans up in New Jersey, New York City. And when we took a look at the tactics of things that he does, remember, I'm not from the mortgage industry, I just know relationships. And when we started to really unpack everything that he was going through, I said, what, what's your biggest, you know, where do you get most of your, your referrals from? And he's like, well, I work with referral partners. So, you know, coming from the mortgage world, uh, they're downstream a little bit from the realtors. Uh, a lot of times when realtors need people to get a house, then the only thing they need to get a house for somebody is to get a loan. So they're generally trying to court those people. And I was like, cool. So out of the, you know, I guess 16 loans that you did last year, how many of them came from those referrals? And it was almost 80%. And I was like, what do you got? Like 17 people? Like what, what's going on here? He had two. He had two referral partners. So what he didn't know is how do I, I know how to sell and go through the loan process. What he didn't really know is how do you build value for people? So teaching them some of those principles on how to show up. It's like, first of all, get a couple of events on your calendar, go through those same processes. You're not trying to sell anybody. You're just trying to, to open more connections, show up, serve, right? Create some synergy and just bring value. And those people are going to be the ones that keep coming back to you. So I think by the time of the year that we ended up working together, he, he got like seven more referral partners. And even though those seven people weren't like sending him like 20, you know, deals a year, it was enough for him to go from $8 million in production to $24 million in production. So uh, I'm not the 10 X guy. I never claimed that I am, but you know, three times the production in one year, there was definitely a difference. Yeah. And I mean, my background being numbers and banking and all that kind of good stuff, 8 million. Yeah. Okay. Hey, that's, you know, you're in the, you're in what everyone's doing. 24 million. Now, now you're doing something, you know, now you're actually making an impact and, uh, and that's awesome. And working with you, that's, that was the catalyst. Well, and here's where I felt really, I felt really strong and confident in what I was doing. I wish I could tell you Marty was like a 35-year-old guy just like me that just was trying to figure out his way. That guy was 60 
years old and he was ready to retire. And when he experienced that much hyper growth, he said, Dave, I'm going to go ahead and go hard at this. Like one more year. What do you think? And I'm like, yeah, dude, I mean, you're still, you're still young. I mean, you might as well. And he, and so he did, he went, you know, he just, he stayed in it because he got excited again. And, and that was the thing, you know, could, I couldn't even imagine. I, I still have 20 more years before I get to 60. And I can't imagine just being ready to start making decisions to stop right now. And to be in that mode and be in that zone and just be like, well, that was life. And instead it's like, let's go again. We, we still got a little bit more, you know, pep in our step. Let's go. Yeah, absolutely. And I wish I had 20 years to get to 60, but I've got a few less than that. So there you go. <laughs> All right. Hey, you know, I want to talk to you about transference of risk and, and, and to kind of help, you know, bring this in, you look at a politician and, and they transfer risk by saying, Oh, I'll send you off to war, but I'm not going to make sure my family goes off a doctor. I'm going to prescribe this for you, but I wouldn't give it to my own child. When someone works with you, how do you keep from transferring the risk from you being the, the, the coach, the mentor, the person that's leading them to this person that's learning from you? How do you keep that transference of risk from happening so they're not stepping in their own landmine? Yeah. Well, I think for me, I get, I'm very vulnerable and very authentic. You know, I never want to sit back in a high horse and, and, you know, armchair quarterback and, and tell people to do these things that I'm not willing to do myself. I've also always had great coaches in my corner. Um, I, I'm very open about the vulnerability of, you know, I could tell you when I was going through probably the most challenging transition I've ever been through, uh, I went through a divorce and I was expected to do high level, high ticket sales at the time. And, you know, here I was coaching like 31 people, all people that made like four times <laughs> the amount of money that I did. But I had a coach in my corner that was really pushing me to grow in the areas that I needed to. And it allowed me to be more transparent, be more vulnerable to those that I was coaching. So I always wanted to make sure that I was very open and honest. And I've never been afraid to, you know, sit and mascara cry with somebody that I'm coaching. As long as they know that it's not, always, I'm not there to be their friend. I am there to be very real with them. And, and be very honest and transparent. And sometimes that means I have to get as vulnerable as they're willing to get. And then be the person that says, all right, let's let's snap out and let's push through it. Yeah, let's bring it back. I like and appreciate and respect how you phrase that. I'm not gonna give them anything that I'm not working on. Mm -hmm. I'm not there to be their friend. I'm there to be their coach. And the other thing is I want the listeners to realize during this process and still to this day, but during this process, you had a coach. If, you're, if you've got a coach, you're going to mastermind, you need to make sure that that person has a coach or coaches and mm -hmm. also is, is learning from other people. You know, the gurus, they're just good marketers and they aren't learning from anyone. They learn from other, some other self-help startup thing. But the, the coaches and, and the real masterminds, they're still learning. They're getting yeah. coaching themselves. And I think that's really important. So we had talked about, you had brought up success a little bit ago. And in, in my solo shows, we talk about you know, the pillars of success, different things that take to be successful, mentorship, experimentation, partnership, willingness to fail, and willingness to succeed are just some of the things that I think that it takes to be successful. What do you think is a key attribute when it comes to being successful? This conversation came up earlier today, actually. I had a phenomenal call with a friend and 
the attributes of being successful are treating people the way that they deserve to be treated. And when I say that, it and forgive me if this goes a little dark and it's not designed to, it's just I I look back on one of the most impactful groups I've ever led. And when I say led, it was a it was a book book club mastermind group. And really I needed it for me. It was right on the beginning end of that uh that horrible transition. And I was trying to read a book called Living Ford by Michael Hyatt. And I was really stuck in about the first or second chapter because in that book you have to write your eulogy. And when I say that, you know, I've I've delivered eulogies before. That's one of the most challenging talks that you can ever give. And when I thought about like the way he positioned it was you can actually write your own eulogy for how people will interpret you when you're gone. And that's the level of success that I think most people don't think about. And the the way that I attribute that to what can you do while you're here is treat people the way that they deserve to be treated. You never know what they're going to say about you when you're not around anymore. And that group, because I needed that accountability, that was the first time that I ever charged for a mastermind. And I, I needed it for me, but I was afraid that if I got people to come, because I'd done several book clubs in the past, I was afraid that if I got people to come, they might come for the first session or two and then they wouldn't come back. So I think I charged like $100 or $200. 10 guys showed up. And not only did we meet for the six weeks that we agreed to, but they continued to meet. And they even continued to meet after I moved away. And other people have moved away since then. And there's still a core group of guys that meet. And it's been fascinating to see the journey that they've all been in. And it started with that one level of commitment to where, you know, I just, it was selfish for me, but I I just wanted a place where we could show up. And we met for breakfast at five o'clock in the morning on Fridays. And it was just fascinating to see uh, see that all come to life. That's not dark or or or, you know, or I mean, like s- think about that. Write your eulogy on how people reference you, see you, you know what what it was about, and like really be honest with it. And that's super powerful. I had someone recently that said, "Hey, you know, um, what would your conversation with death be like?" And that's not dark. It's just like, it, it makes you really think like, what have you done and what are you wanting to do? What do you want to give back to the world? Yeah, no, hundred percent, hundred percent. All right. Got a few more questions here as we're winding down, you know, during times of prosperity, things are good. It's easy. It's like easy to win, but I think innovation and ingenuity come out of times when we feel the squeeze, the world's still feeling the squeeze. What are you working on right now that's going to take place over the next 12 months that excites you? Yeah, the the conversation of why networking has really evolved. You know, it was, it started, somebody asked me to speak in 2017 and it was, again, right as that same transition, I started to go through that transition. And up to that point, everything that I had spoke about was about something totally different. For two and a half years, the same story that I told was about moving to Las Vegas and going to work at Zappos and company culture and all those things. When that changed, I really didn't know what I was going to talk about. And somebody's like, well, you're good at building relationships. Let's do that. So the whole idea of why networking came to life, because I was a huge fan of Simon Sinek and start with why. And I was like, hmm, can I just put why in front of networking and call it why networking? So I did. And the very first time that I spoke there, I noticed a shift 
that people were paying attention, a little bit different than before. And then as it evolved, I started to develop principles. And, you know, when I say evolved, it's been three years now that I've continued to have this conversation and, and come up with the little, the little fun quotes and the little fun things to do to help stand out. Uh, you know, me, I, I carry a gigantic boom box, but I don't suggest everybody do that. But what's been really interesting now is I, as I have come up with those pillars and now I understand the how part of it, it's really putting all this into action. You know, I've spoke about it. I've done virtual presentations. I've done virtual keynotes. I've practiced it. I've seen people, you know, host their first events and get great success before the event ever happens. So now that's what I'm excited about this year is putting together some smaller coaching groups around that topic, around that subject, but also putting together uh, a, a few different levels of masterminds and really seeing this conversation get loud and attached to a lot of the other networks out there. And, and I just really see a lot of cool, cool synergy and things happening from that. Yeah, absolutely. And I look forward to being part of that journey with you and, and, and seeing what's growing. I look forward to eventually being invited out to Vegas uh, for, you know, for your next event, big or small, just looking forward yeah. to that hopping on a plane. All right. What is a tip, a tactic, an actionable item that if someone listening to this right now over the next 30, 60, 90 days, they implemented it, would make a real impact on their personal or business life? Yeah, I think the important thing to do right now is to leave clues. You know, there's, I, I noticed this when we sat down, I looked at your shirt and it says better together. And immediately I think of Simon Sinek, his book called Better Together. Fun story, like to me, I think there's ways that we can leave clues to connect with people. And what I do is I take books everywhere I go and I generally leave books out. Now, obviously we can't go a lot of places right now, but I, I even took that a step further and I start, I put a book title on my shirt because now we have this real estate on, on Zoom. You can show up into a meeting and you can have the right words. Like even if it just said, uh, ready for this podcaster, right? then there's ways that we can start more conversations. So you want to leave clues for other people so they know they can connect with you. I've been in coffee meetings, just like you and I are sitting here right on Zoom in a deep, deep conversation right there in public and a book sitting on the table. And I've had people walk over and say, I'm so sorry to interrupt. I effing love that book. It changed my life. And I'm not trying to sell them. I'm not trying to do anything. But do you think I'm going to want to build a relationship with somebody who interrupted me and cussed about a book? Heck yeah, that's somebody who's in my tribe. And I've met so many incredible people and it just opened up more opportunities just by leaving that little clue. Wow. That's a, I, when I say simplicity, that, that, that is it, it genuinely like, that's a good thing because there's so many things that are so simple we don't do in life. And that is so blessed, simple to implement, to create an impact, a network without having to do a thing. Really? Well, just like you, I stole it. I know you've stole a few things, but I stole it from society. Explain, real brief ex example. If somebody walked by in a Raiders jersey, if I were a Raiders fan, we would have a, a little a little bond that could turn into, where are you from? And it could like evolve into a thing. But if for some reason it's somebody wearing an opposing jersey, even if we had everything in common in the world, that jersey might be what prevents that relationship from ever happening. But there's no jersey for the books that we read. So I started putting it on t-shirts. Yeah. Wow. I love what you've brought today. We have the, the founder 
of why networking. Dave Berlin. Dave, thank you so much for spending your time with us and all the unbelievable nuggets that you left with us. Thank you, Dave. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to The Mastermind Effect, your secret weapon for personal development. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment to share with a friend and leave a five-star review on iTunes. And don't forget to subscribe through your favorite podcast host so you won't miss a single episode. You're one step closer to experiencing The Mastermind Effect.